Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. We're going to start in Romans chapter 1, and we're going to go through the book of Romans together. And so I'm excited for that, to do that with you uh, this new season. And you know, as I was thinking about it, I was just overwhelmed by the fact that we have opportunities now uh, in a new year because we're kind of stopping something and we're starting something new, right? And hopefully, we're going to stop the things that are hurting us are not helpful, and we're going to start things that are helpful and good. I think all of us would agree we want to be healthy people. We want to be healthy both in our minds and our bodies and in our spirits. And so it's a good day to commit to that. It's a good day to get together and to focus in on what it is to live for God and how we can uh, pursue him in this new year. And so we're going to talk about the kingdom and being kingdom-minded. How many of you have ever been under a king? You've been under a king? Wow. Uh, It's been a while, right? It's been a couple years since we had a king. A king is not something we're common. uh, We're we're really part of our lives. Uh, But we understand kings. Uh, They're in movies and video games and all kinds of things. We see kings. But we live in a democracy with a president. Uh, But the president in many ways and and the Congress and the legislation, they are the leaders that make decisions that impact all of us. And we live in a kingdom. Uh, Maybe it's not called that now, but it basically is a kingdom, and it is a nation. And our nation uh, has had a lot of things happen over the years. Uh, We started small. There's so many things that happened that didn't look like we were going to make it, didn't look like this would be anywhere anyone would ever want to come, and yet it thrived, and it expanded, and it became one of the greatest nations on the earth. But you know, as we look at the United States and we look at our nation, we see that there's a lot of challenges. And as you look at the statistics and you look at the studies, um, you begin to see some troubling things. Uh, Today, the United States leads the world in chronic disease. It leads the world in obesity. It leads the world in divorce. The United States leads the world in drug addiction and drug abuse. The United States leads the world in suicide. The United States leads in majority of the categories we don't want to lead in. And we wonder, how did it get here? How are we at a place where there's so much So many challenges, so much problems, so much mess in our world today. And I would encourage you this morning that that through God's word, there is a kingdom that is revealed that brings the answer to a lot of our problems. It brings a solution to the challenges we face. And I would say more than anything else today, if you're a believer in Christ, if you've confessed and believed Christ is your savior, you have an immense responsibility this year. You have an immense responsibility to share the kingdom with others. And not only share it in a loving, Christ-like way, but to live it. To live it. And this morning, if you're here and you're you're not totally on board with Christianity, you don't know if you believe in it or not, you don't know what you think about Christ, I'm so glad you're here. You're going to hear from God's word what it is for the believer to live and be. That we've been given clear guidance. We've been given clear guidelines on how in a dark place in a dark time. How many of you know someone going through a struggle? How many of you know someone who's desperate today? How many of you know someone who's just at the end and they don't think there's any hope? Well, today we have a responsibility, if you're a believer in Christ, to care about that person. 
to desire to bring hope to their life, to give them meaning and purpose and value, understanding that there's only one place you can find that. And so as we begin, we look at all the cultures of the world, and it's interesting that if you look at the Greek culture, the Roman culture, the Mesopotamian, all of these great civilizations, many of them started with a very high level set of morality, and over time, they fell apart. And as we go to the next slide, we see that even in Rome, we, we know of Rome burning, and we see the destruction of Rome, and we recognize that we're not guaranteed another day as a nation. We're not guaranteed another day as, as a neighborhood or a family or a house. That all of this could fall apart. And what we're seeing in our culture is a quick, quick escalation to this. And we don't want this. Are we in agreement? We don't want it to burn. We don't want things to fall apart. We want a better place for our children than what we've had. We want the future to be brighter, not darker. And so that's part of the responsibility of the church. And I believe as we look at Romans, the overarching verse that we're going to use as we go through uh, the book of Romans is Romans 12.2. I believe this is what we need to do. If you're a believer in Christ, this is the, the medicine, this is the, uh, the orders from, from the king that we need to do for us to be successful. It says this, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. As we think about this topic, and, and I've been studying it quite a bit, it's interesting how much what we think about makes us who we are. If you're a positive thinker, positive things tend to happen. If your mind is on things that are destructive and uh, unhelpful, you're going to find yourself in a lot of destructive, unhelpful places. That our minds, God has created our minds in a way that they have a major impact in our lives. And as we look at our culture, such a strong shift, how do we go from thinking one way to thinking the exact opposite? Do you realize we think on most issue, major issues today, the exact opposite? What we said was right and wrong here, we say is the opposite today. How did we shift? What happened that caused us to think so differently? And I believe it's because where we focus our mind every day leads us to where we're going. What you focus your mind on starting on day one of 2023 is going to have an impact every day as you focus there for the rest of the year. Where you focus your mind, where you focus your heart, is going to take you somewhere. And this morning we're told if we're willing to not conform to what everyone else is thinking about, selfishness, their own desires, their own thing, but if we're willing to renew our mind in Christ every single day, and you're doing it today by being here, you're going to renew your thoughts. And it's not going to be your thoughts. It's going to be his thoughts. And his thoughts are, I love those that are struggling today. And I created you to be part of the solution. I created you to make a difference with your life. I created you to show love and compassion to the world around you. I created you to reflect myself to the rest of the world. And the more we think about that and the more we recognize that, the more impact we'll have. And we'll be fulfilling the calling we have. And so my question for us as we dive into God's word, what are your thoughts about 2023? What are your th is it going to be a good year, a bad year? Is it going to be happy or sad? Something great going to happen or something terrible going to happen? When you think of this year, I, my guess is most of you are like, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> I have no opinion whatsoever about this year. But as you think about 2023, what are your thoughts? What comes to your mind? Are you excited? Are you scared? 
Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? What does 2023, what's that going to be for you as you think about it? Let's ask the Lord to give us some guidance and direction. Let's precede his word in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you can speak to our hearts. You can speak in a way that changes us, grows us, gives us hope and peace. And so, Lord, as we read your words, I pray, Lord, that they would penetrate, that they would make their way into our understanding. And that, Lord, when we think about this year and we think about what's yet to come, that we put our faith and trust in you and that we're set free from anxiety, set free from fear, set free from the anger and, and challenges of our lives. Lord, we want to live in freedom and peace. We want to know your grace. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us now as we look to your word, that we would truly understand it as we begin. We've committed this moment to you. We started the year focused on you. You say, if we seek you, we will find you. And you're looking for those that diligently seek you. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin the book of Romans, uh, you go back 2,000 years in history. Rome was very similar to the United States, except it was probably even worse. <laughs> uh, life meant nothing. Uh, you could kill someone or kill a child, and there really wasn't a lot of repercussions for those types of things. Rome uh, was about power and authority. If you were on the pedestal, if you had the position, if you had the right uh, signet in front of your name, you were special, you had power, you had authority. And so Rome was very similar to the United States. We have a lot of things that we can look to and say, hey, that, that looks like us. And there was a guy who was a very religious person that lived uh, in this part of the world, in, in, in what we would say Israel or Jerusalem, and he was a go-getter. He was a, I'm going to be successful. He was driven. He was passionate. He was going to do great things with his life. He was able to be trained by a man named Gamaliel, who was the top leader and trainer within the Jewish faith. And uh, this man took, he had two names in that culture in that time, uh, where you were born you would get a name and then you would have a Hebrew name. His Hebrew name was Saul. He chose Saul because the first king of, of Israel was Saul, and it was a powerful name. Saul, in, in its essence, means chosen one or, or the one that God has favor over. And here he took a strong name. He had a strong path. We're told that he was very intellectual, very smart, and he had worked his way up the ladder, and he is a very significant person within that place and time. He had the authority to put people in jail. He had the authority, uh, if, if that person resisted arrest, to have them put to death. And so he was in a position of authority. And this, he had moved his way up to every town he went in. He, got, he was like, oh, this guy. Saul is here. Everybody, come check it out. Saul. He had power. He had authority. He had a reputation. Everyone wanted to be around this guy because he was moving his way up. He was making an impact. Well, one day, uh, uh, he was on the road with some of the other uh, uh, friends and workers that were trying to get rid of Christianity. He actually had a letter that he was taking to give him more authority and more power. And he was confronted by a strong light, and he fell down as blind. And he, the voice in the light said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? He said, I am Jesus, the one that you've been persecuting. 
From there, he finds his way uh, to a home that he's led to. He's blind for three days. And at the end of this time, we're told that scales fall off his eyes and his life is radically changed. And now Paul is, means small or little. And so he went from Saul to Paul. He did the opposite of the American dream. He went from someone special, powerful, and authority to someone who had to hide in a basket to get out of town because they wanted to arrest him and kill him. And Saul goes on and, and becomes Paul, and he begins to, to spread this message. He begins to share uh, in Jerusalem. There's a lot of hostility. There's a lot of problems in Jerusalem, so he has to leave Jerusalem. He's on the run, and as he's on the run, he's beginning to start churches. And he's starting to, to, to gather those that are believers, and he's beginning to see the work of God. And over years, churches have been established uh, Groups of people are now committed to Christ, calling them uh, missions or their churches that are reaching the people. And Paul has gotten to a place in his life now where he wants to encourage those churches. He's one of the original leaders. He wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. We know more from Paul about Jesus than any other part of the Bible. And so he has a significant place to play within Scripture. And he writes this letter to a place he always wanted to go, Rome. We're told that he wanted to go to Rome, but he couldn't because there were things that were keeping him from going to Rome. And so finally, he writes this letter to Rome, and he's trying to encourage them and to give them direction. How many of you would like encouragement today? How many of you could use like a dose of some positive energy in your life, right? How many of you uh, could use some direction? Where, what am I supposed to do this year? You asked me about this year, I have no idea. I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. I don't know what anything's going to be. It just happens, right? And so he was wanting to encourage the people in the church of Rome with some security and some direction. And so as we begin the book of Romans, we see that he's giving them clear direction and he's giving them clear support that they are okay, that, it's, that God is with them. He hasn't abandoned them. So that's where we begin Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in his holy scripture concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the res resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and the apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as what? Saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's interesting word usage. He's setting it up. Uh, one of the interesting things about this book is if you got an email, the first thing in the email isn't the person's name. It's your name, correct? How many of you receive emails? It says your name. It doesn't say the person who's writing first. If you get a letter, how many of you get letters still? Right? You get a letter. It doesn't say the person's writing first. It says your name first. But here in this time, in this place, they would make it clear who was writing. So right out of the gate in this letter, he's saying, this is me, Paul, 
uh, the one that you know, the apostle, the one that was changed by Jesus, the one that has the message, the one that we've been working together. I haven't been there yet, but I've heard of you, and I'm sure you've heard of me. I want you to know that I've been thinking about you, and I am praying for you, and I am here for you. And so he starts the letter declaring who he is, and then he moves to say who they are. And who does he say they are? Saints. Saints. Now, I grew up, when I was younger, I lived in New England, and it was almost entirely Catholic. And to be a saint, you had to die, right? You can't be a saint until you're dead. And then I have friends, if you were to tell them saint, they would think you're a football player in New Orleans, right? But I've never, most of the time, you don't come into church and say, hello, saints, right? Has anyone ever called you a saint in your entire life? And you're like, if you really knew me, they wouldn't call me a saint, right? But he calls them a saint. Because what does it really mean to be a saint? A saint doesn't mean that you are holy or you are just. It means that Christ is holy and righteous within you. That anyone who confesses and believes, receives Christ as their Savior, is a saint. So this morning, you're a saint if you know Christ as your Savior. You are a saint. You have been given sainthood if you are a believer in Christ today. And my encouragement to you is to claim it and to receive it and to allow it to be a part of your identity. Because we live in a world, we live in a world where identity matters. People claim identity. Uh, there are some people today that are claiming that they are Georgia fans, right? And that defines who they are. And they're talking uh, trash to other people because of that identity. Because they're proud of who they are. It matters to them. But on a serious note, there are people in our country, there are people in other countries, that they make being from that country the most important part of their identity. And it defines everything about who they are. And you don't have to know them very long before they make it known what their identity is. And I believe that there's a lot of people, I look at football fans, um, I look at political people, and I say, I wish I loved Jesus as much as they love the things that they love. I wish I was as committed to my faith as they are committed to the things that they are following or supporting. I believe, and this is just my view, that God allows that to happen to be a reflection of what he's looking for in us. How many of you know of a fanatical person that's like overboard? Like as soon as you meet them, they're talking about the same thing every single time you meet them. Because that's what they love. That's their heart. That's who they are. And my challenge, if we're going to make a difference in a dark world that's getting darker and in a challenging and messy place, if we're going to make any difference, then we have got to own that we are saints of Jesus Christ. That we are his children. We've been washed clean. We have an opportunity to show love and, and to give grace and, and to support and to walk alongside and, and to reveal the truth that, that God loves the world, that he gave his son, that whomever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that it's not just for eternity, it's for today. That you can live in a way that when you are a saint, it affects your marriage. When you're a saint, it affects how you're parenting. When you're a saint, it affects how you do your job. When you're a saint, it affects how you are as a student. Everything in life becomes affected by your identity in Christ. That now I know I have value. I don't have to impress you. I don't have to make you think I'm something that I'm not. I'm just going to be who God made me to be. And I'm going to pursue that every single day a little bit more. And if people uh, mock you or belittle you or praise you, it doesn't matter. 
Because we're not to live for the opinions of others. We are here to praise God. We are created for him. And that's what we're called to do. And so when you recognize that you're a saint and you begin the year of 2023, you begin to commit every single day to living out your identity. Paul was telling them, you are a saint in Rome. Rome is messed up. Listen, as bad as the U.S. is, if you walked down a road in Rome, it was a lot worse than it is today. And yet even in a time where, where people hated God, they didn't want anything to do with God, they thought it was stupid to follow God, they were saints loving and revealing the true kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so that's what we're called to do. As we look at the beginning of this letter, we see encouragement, we see love, we see an a, a individual, even though he doesn't even know them because he hasn't met them yet, has a heart for the people in Rome. But we have a challenge as we continue on in verse 16. Here's what it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. When I was about 16 years old, I went to a, a youth event in Orlando. And when we were there, and I, I was actually coming from Vermont to Orlando, so that was a weird connection that I had. And the speaker was talking about how everyone, you know, you kind of wear a mask and you want people to think a certain way of you and, and you are really just pursuing your own thing. You want to be successful. You want to go your own way. You want to make your own life happen. And you don't want anyone to tell you what to do. And he said, that's the very thing that's keeping you from God. And until you're willing to admit that and, and surrender that to the Lord, then you will be lost. And I can remember, it wasn't even his words, it was the Spirit of God speaking directly to my heart. And he was saying, Mike, that's you. You are so committed to, to making people think a certain way about you. You're so committed to your own thing that you're missing the most important thing. And I remember I was with a group of people, and I really cared what they thought about me. And I remember the Holy Spirit said, Mike, I want you to get on, if you're serious, if you're serious, I want you to get on your hands and knees, and I want you to pray to me, and I want you to submit your life to me. And I can tell you that World War III was happening in my soul. Have you ever been there? It's like this tension between, do I hold on to what makes me comfortable and I know is wrong, or do I give it over to the Lord and live for him? And there's fear. What will people think? What will people say? How will I be received? What if my life is miserable if I make this decision? What if God has me do something I don't want to do? What if I'm unhappy or lonely or scared because I make this decision? That was the tension going on. And I am so thankful in that moment that, that by the grace of God, I was willing to do. But I tell you, as soon as my knees hit the ground, there was a peace that passed all understanding. Once the commitment was made, the flood of joy was filled. And all of a sudden, my eyes were open as if scales fell off. And all of a sudden, life was brand new. It was all different. I went home and was baptized by my dad. And I said, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm here at this place because of that moment. And I am just a testimony of the fact that that's for all of us. I am not special. I am not unique. 
in any essence. I am just the story, like many of you are a story to be shared about the goodness of God and the deceitfulness of this world. We live in a deceptive world that keeps telling us, if you get a little more, if you have a little more, if you get this, if you get that, then you'll be happy, then you'll be satisfied, then it will be fulfilling. And it never is. Because it's a lie. It's, it's not true. It will never be true. And Christ comes along and he says, I'm going to give you eternal life, but much more, I'm going to give you myself. And that means when you wake up in the morning, you sense God with you and you focus on him and you live for him and you begin to see how everything in life aligns with living for him. How I talk, how I think, what I allow into my mind, what I allow out of my mouth. That it all is interconnected and being his follower. And then you get to this place like Paul gets and he says to us, I am no longer ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of life change. It is the only power in this world that will solve the mess of this world. So I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid to tell people. I'm not afraid to say this. I'm not afraid to make this my identity. If this is the first thing you think about when you think of me, praise God. That's my goal. And that's got to be our goal as a church. When they think about this church, they can't think about, oh, we're trying to get their money, or we're, we're just doing our own thing, and we'll never accept them. They need to think we love Jesus, and we want them to be a part of this. That we are here to make their life and this place better because the only thing that makes it really better is the gospel. That when, if this place didn't exist, if we weren't gathering here right now, it would have a difference in this place. And so we need to listen to this letter because it's really the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Do not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. A saint lives by unashamed faith in Christ. If I'm going to live this out, then I need to be unashamed in my faith. And my faith is a loving faith. It's a faith that says, I believe that God has the best for me and my family. No matter all the challenges, all the mess that's around us, in the midst of that, God is good. He is with us, and he'll never leave us or forsake me. Verse 8 says, First, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you, because the news of your faith is being reported where? In all of the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son, that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. You know what I've learned? Here's what I've learned, and you know this is true. The more you live in the flesh, the less you really care about other people. The more you are selfish, the less you care about others. The more you're worried about just you, the less you care about the others around you. But when you begin to live for the Lord, when you allow him to break you free from that chain of selfishness and you become a saint that is selfless, all of a sudden you want to be around people that believe. All of a sudden you're thinking more about the people in your life and what is a blessing and an encouragement and healing for them than even for yourself. If someone needs to get help, it's them before me. If someone needs encouragement, it should be them before me. Because you begin to realize, you begin to realize that really being like Christ is to be a servant of all. 
And that when you go that way, when you follow Christ that way, it is fulfilling. It is joyful. It is peaceful. It is beyond anything anyone else has to offer. Because it is the way we were created to be. You see, most people are living the exact opposite of what they were created to do and be. And they are frustrated about it. And they're unhappy about it. And they're asking all the questions of why is it like this? And this is where I want to be able to be brave and bold in a community and, and be like, I go to this church and let me tell you about these people at this church. They give, up their, they give up time and energy and effort to feed the homeless, to give them clothes. They go around the world to share with people that make a dollar a day. They love their neighbor. They'll sacrifice. They'll give up whatever they can for the betterment of the people around them because they love Jesus. This is what we want to be known for. This is what we want to be brag. I don't want to brag about my football team. I want to brag about you. Right? I want a stories, that, stories of life change and stories of the power of God that impact people that are in the midst of the darkest time in their life. Because then they'll see light and they'll see hope and there'll be a meaning and a purpose to it all. But that starts when we commit ourselves every single day that I am a child of God. I am going to pursue him in his kingdom. Our faith and love should be easily recognized. You know what the sad thing is? A lot of churches are not known for their love. They're known because they don't love each other. Unfortunately, if you were to talk to most people, they'd say, ah, oh, churches and Christians, they're hateful. Right? Judgmental. Listen, the love of Christ is so large. You don't get right and come to Christ. You don't fix it all within you and come to Christ. You come to Christ and he will begin the good work in you. He will work out that stuff. He'll reveal it to you. He'll make it clear to you. But you have to take that first step. And, we have to, and before they take the step, we have to offer them that they can take the step. Do you see how big of a, of a challenge? Not even just a challenge. The mission is big. This year, we have a lot to do. This year is so important. This year is so meaningful. Because every day this year, you and I get to be an ambassador as a saint of Jesus Christ. And we get to impact our neighbors. We get to impact our family. We get to impact our coworkers. This is an awesome year where we can be the people of Christ, the saints of Jesus. What an awesome opportunity. Is there a greater task that we could have? Is there a greater challenge that we could go for? Is there a higher aspiration that we could have? No, because this is what we are created for. This is what we were put on this planet to do. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. This morning, I would like for us to say we are a kingdom-minded church. We are saints on a mission. That yes, we're in a messy place in a messy time and a lot of people have a lot of mess in their life, but that's okay. Because Christ came to resolve all of that mess. And you don't really know who you are until you know the one that made you and loves you 
and wants to walk with you day in and day out. And so here's where it leads us. It leads us to a resolution, right? Why do people make jokes about New Year's resolutions? Because nobody, keep, they keep them for like a week. Not, actually, the more you think, you're like, I'm not going to eat sugar, I'm not going to eat sugar. Oh, I got to eat some sugar right now. Because a resolution is you trying to make it happen within you. You're trying to fix you. You are trying to be your own creator. Do you realize that? You're trying to be your own God. When I say, I'm going to fix this about me, then you're trying to fix yourself. But do you realize when you submit it and you say, you know what? I'm going to give it to the power that created me to start fixing me. And it can be anything. God, help me to be more healthy this year. And every morning I wake up, God, help me to make healthy decisions today. Help me to love my family well. Help me to do well at work. Help me to be disciplined. Help me not to lie or cheat or steal or treat anyone uh, with abuse or neglect. Help me to respect and honor the people around me. What if every day you started that day and you focused your mind that way? And instead of making a one-year resolution, you made a lifelong resolution. You said, I'm resolved in me that from the rest of my life, I will commit every thought, every word, every action to the Lord. And when I deviate, which we will all mess up, I'll just get back up and go again and never give up or quit. This is what you see. This is the presidential desk. It's the resolute desk. This is where uh, things are signed into law for the United States that become laws. And once they're a law, we have to abide by them. My question for you in your heart, where is your resolute desk? Where is it that you've said, this is who I am, and I'm committed to being this for the rest of my life until I die? I have made a resolution. I am resolved. I am committed. This is who I am. This is my identity. I would encourage you, make a life's resolution to live by faith. You know what the opposite of faith is? The opposite of faith is doing it your way, trusting yourself, putting all of your hopes in what you can achieve. Faith, faith is living in accordance to what God has revealed. Would you make a resolution to live by faith? Would you say today, I'm going to trust God with my money. I'm going to trust him with my time. I'm going to trust him with my relationships. I'm going to trust him with my decisions. I'm going to trust him with my hopes. I'm going to trust him with my emotions. I'm going to trust him with every area of my life. I'm going to not put my faith in myself. I'm not even going to put it in this world. I'm going to put it in Christ. And that's my resolution. My resolution is to be, as Paul said, to be a saint. And that people would know that I'm a saint. That people would know this is my resolution. That people are talking about how this is true in my life. Make a resolution to renew your mind daily. How do you renew your mind? God gave us great, two great tools. One, prayer. Two, his word. If you say, I don't, prayer's hard. I get it. Starting a prayer life is hard. But prayer is the fuel of life. Prayer is you being connected to your creator. Prayer is more impactful in bringing peace and calmness to your spirit than any drug that's out there. 
Prayer is more effective than any man-made thing. Prayer has the power to heal. It has the power to grow. It has the power to direct. Power is the place where we hear, prayer is the place we hear from God. Would you commit to your mind, I am going to speak to God through my spirit, through prayer daily. And be resolved in that. Read his words that they may transform you and grow you. And then finally, ask God to help you live the rest of your life by faith. We need his help. One of the things I've learned more than anything else is when I try to make things happen, they tend to get worse. So I need his help. I need his help. Even when I mess up, I don't, people run away from God when they should be running to God, right? There is a, there's something within us that wants to avoid him because we know if we pursue him, then he's going to look at everything within us. He's going to see all those rooms in our heart, all those thoughts, all those attitudes, all the things we've ever done, all the things we feel really guilty about, all the things we feel shame about. He's going to see all of that if we pursue him. And he does. But he's a loving God. And you know the one thing he'll never do is go into that room and say, I reject you because of this. He'll go in that room and say, I reject this because I love you too much to keep it here. I love you too much to let this control your life. I love you too much to keep this between us. I love you too much. I am your father. I love you desperately. I want to start the day and finish the day with you every day. And I love you too much to keep where you are. And if you're willing, if you're willing to say, yes, God, that's what I want. I want you to come in and look at every part, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I want you to start that work in my life so that I can be bold in who I am in you. That I would really think of myself not as me being great, but me as being a saint in you. Would you be willing to make that commitment today? Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's in charge. He's the one leading and guiding you. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. One believes with their heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with their mouth, resulting in salvation. When it's all said and done, what kingdom do you want to be a part of? The kingdom that you built? The kingdom that someone else built? Or the kingdom of God? This is the choice of our life. This is why we've gathered here this morning. This is the purpose of this time and place, is that we remind ourselves that we're part of a kingdom. And that we're told to pray, your kingdom come. His kingdom is on it. It's here, but it's also on its way. Are we ready for that day? Are we living with that truth in our minds and our hearts? Are we focused on that today? Would you close your eyes? Just tune out the world for a moment. Would you listen to God? What is God saying to your heart today? What is God revealing? What is he showing you? Take a moment to listen.